This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Welcome to Chapter Tactics, a pre-LVO post-CanCon pirate edition. Today, we are joined by the source of the Polar Vortex, the Falcon himself. Peter, how are you? It's pretty cool. It's cool. And Americans are really upset about it. Yeah, and only the Alaskans are allowed to be. Seriously, guys. <laughs> Is it somehow colder in Alaska? It's it's quite cold in Alaska. It's about where I think last I heard it's about where it is here. Today it was minus thirty seven where it's I am. Celsius? Celsius, yes. Okay, so it's basically cold everywhere. You know where it's not cold though? Australia, where for no. some reason it's summer. It's a goddamn hellscape in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> where you have the opposite ravages of climate change. We are joined by uh the um indefatigable that wasn't a very good way to pronounce that word. Nope. Uh, we were joined by <laughs> one of the co-hosts of the Down Under Network. You may have seen him shoutcasting, mostly shouting uh, throughout the CanCon coverage about a week in, or two weeks ago. Uh, Adam Camilleri. Yeah, Roy has going, boys. Did I nail that last name? <laughs> Camilleri, yeah, you got pretty good. Woo, I own his jersey, folks. And I own right. yours. So <laughs> I sleep in it. Except I bought mine from a street vendor out, out behind the arena <laughs> i want one of those down under network tank tops that looked sweet although i don't yeah. know where when i would wear one in canada but show off my guns for the for, you, you can you tell know. the canadians hosting because because basically <laughs> we've only talked about the weather for the yeah. first two minutes first first and we day. got 45 minutes to go bitches yeah. first day of cancon 43 degrees celsius i saw a wonderful photo of someone pay, playing in their underwear, literally. That is my very good friend, um, Andrew Armstrong. We call him Big Head because he's got a massive head, and Australians are really imaginative. I would have thought that maybe it was ironic. Maybe he had a small head. No, his head's massive. That's probably that's probably more of a British thing, where they go for the irony. Like, you know, if we had gangsters, we'd call him, like, he'd be like Terry Two Hands because he's got two hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, with this wonderful introduction to... Uh, who you have on the show out of the way. First, I'd like to do something that I rarely do when I host, which is thank our sponsors. Uh, Frontline Gaming is a wonderful organization. They bring us the ITC as well as wonderful gaming discounts on all of your hobby goods. Check out FrontlineGaming.org. Um, also, our, our, our Lord and Savior, the the uh, official father of the podcast, Petey Pop, has gone, uh, gone ahead and he set up a Patreon, guys. And uh, you can you can support the show if you're a fan of the show. You like what we do here and the content that we provide. You can swing on over to Patreon and actually be a patron of Chapter Tactics. Just kind of a neat innovation. Um, now the money goes to us. So enough of that. Um, today we're going to talk about on the show. Um, first, we're going to do a little bit more uh, diving into some of the cool uh, numbers um, coming out of the LVO. The fact that they've gone through the rigmarole of getting all of the 
lists uh, submitted and in a, in a particular format has uh, allowed our local statistician, uh, the Falcon, to, uh, to generate a lot of cool data, which they talked about at length on the last show. And today we're going to visit some other wrinkles about it, mostly looking at the top 150 versus the field, which is kind of a cool uh, way to, to see what do the top players think versus what, what everyone else thinks. Um, some neat data in there. Then we're going to talk with Peter about the way the meta has changed since chapter approved, uh, because uh, well, things don't change. A lot of points change. Um, has that uh, has that uh, resulted in any real shifts in the representation out there in various tournaments since chapter approved? And finally, we're going to do our CanCon roundup, where uh, where I think uh, Peter and Adam will uh, talk a lot of shop about some cool shout casting and a great tournament down under. Yeah, shop was a nice way of putting it. I would have used another expletive. So yeah, I think we got some really, really great stuff to talk about today. So let's 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 get back over to that LVO. We are days away at this point. Um, I assume this episode is dropping on uh, on Tuesday. That means uh, folks are, are hurriedly packing their bags. Sketchy people are finally submitting their lists. Yeah, they're finding uh, shoes. Hey, to be to <laughs> be fair to these uh, to these people, I think there's only three lists, maybe five, that have errors in them now. So kudos to the players. Um, and there's only like 50 lists missing. And I would say of those 50 lists, probably all 50 people aren't going anymore. Yeah, because there's, defi- there's definitely some people I know aren't going, and they just haven't been removed from the registry. Or they're going, but they they cannot play, like like our very own Jeff Robinson, which they mentioned last week. He's still listed as an entrant, um, and and uh, I don't think he'll be doing uh, double duty. But he should have uh, he should have submitted a list anyway, and just made it the wonkiest, craziest thing you could imagine. I think it should have just been a picture of him flexing, and that would have been no, absolutely, absolutely. him and his him and his dog, him flexing next to his dog. That's it. Oh yeah, Barristan, the bold, uh, Barristan the bold. What a fine bulldog! Uh, yep. You might hear some sleeping bulldogs in the background. Yeah, that's me. Uh, that's just you. He's <laughs> a mouth breather. There's nothing we can do. It's the only way we can get his insights. Now, Peter, you you've been an outspoken critic of, uh, let's say, some sloppy formatting habits uh, from North American GTs. Um, how do you feel about this this frontline gaming initiative to standardize everything despite the stress that it may have caused? Do you like the way that they went about it? I, I loved it. And um, I'm not going to say too much, but I've been speaking with the guys over at BCP. They've sent me a little bit, like a little tidbit, a little taste of what they're what they're working on, and it's beautiful stuff. They are still running into problems uh, because you know this is a, a nascent project we're working on. So even when people have you know quote unquote uh, followed the roughly the what they were looking for, you know there's still spelling mistakes because you know no one's using a like the exact same app. Some of them are just trying to manually type everything out. And you know, we we live in a war game where they love to make up random faux Latin words that we have to try and remember how to spell. Yeah. Um, but for like for the most part, looking at some of like the unit data, they're they're starting to spit out uh, the faction data. It's coming along. It's um, I can easily see in I, I might be really optimistic, but in six months, uh, getting some really hardcore automated data coming out of this um just and, beautiful beautiful stuff and there's probably no one else on the planet that would really love to see some automated data than the man who has personally hand cranked uh how many tournaments are you up to on 40kstats.com at this point I've, i believe we're at 45 maybe 45. 50 <laughs> <laughs> please man. put the falcon out of out of his job uh, oh man <laughs> i mean he'll keep this 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 trade running for for a while yet i'm sure but i'll keep going until somebody makes it make something better Absolutely. Um, so that's that's all fantastic. Um, I know uh, in Australia, where perhaps submissions are a bit more enforced, 
than up here. This is not as much of a. This might be a bit funny to you, Adam. That there's been a big kerfuffle over submitting. Yeah, I find it amusing when I see a list that's written on a napkin. I'm like, well, how's that? How's that even allowed? Don't you just say, "Hey, dude, resub." See, ya. and if you don't resub by the next time, like we'll start docking your points until you get in the format we want. Because that's literally what we do here. If you submit a list that is un- unlegible or not up to standard, we're like, "Oh yeah, resub," and you've got like a day to resub until you start losing battle points. Well, the, the the thing I don't know if it's that uh, Reese has been working Elon Musky in hours uh, in lead up to the LVO, but I heard him on signals and he he let it slip. I don't know again if it was on purpose or not that the simplified format is basically the simple export out of Battlescrab. So maybe he was just finally just too frustrated and they had to say that. <laughs> up until then they they weren't they weren't saying that. Like if you compared yeah. the the two, like you could see that if you just export Battlescrab, clean it up a little bit, you've got what you needed. Uh, to match is exactly what I did. So I don't know. I don't know if he meant to say that. He was like, fine. <laughs> just yellowed and said, okay, we'll get the last 20 lists if we just tell them that they can do Yeah, exactly. Uh, mind you, is a, a big ask to make this, to try and do this for a fir- the first off, try and standardize the whole submission process off the back of the LBO. You couldn't have done it with like B, like BAO or SoCal first had to, and work your way up to it. Nah, we're starting at the top of Everest. It's all downhill from here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I mean, uh, why why not take it to the big show? And it does let us do some cool stuff like what we're about to do. Oh, absolutely! A lot of this is uh, is derived from, I assume, some uh, some data being passed on um, from our friends at Best Coast Pairings, unofficial sponsor of the podcast, because we wouldn't have much to talk about if it wasn't for them. Well, they are they're beautiful people that do beautiful things. I'm always happy dealing with them. Um, if you guys aren't subscribed to the app, I honestly think you should be. If you if you're like into 40k enough to be following a podcast like this, um, really, it's it's well worth it. Just being able to go back, look at lists, um, you know, more than 24 hours later, uh, pull and you can. They just they do so much for the community that um, yeah, get on that. Jeez, guys, you disgust me. So one of the coolest things, I think, about the LVO, um, it's kind of actually a double-edged sword. In order to have a chance to win your faction, in order to have a chance to win the ITC itself, um, really comes down to the LVO. You've got to show up there, and you've got to perform well in order to uh, to really clinch those titles. And maybe it's a show uh, a topic for another day, whether or not that's a good or a net good or bad thing for the, uh, for the ITC. But what it does do is it concentrates a lot of the best players uh, in the ITC, which, I mean, I was doing some uh, some work with the spreadsheet the other day just for fun, and uh, you know, I think we're up to at least, uh, like, genuinely 8,000 players when you remove some some duplicates. Um, I think what I did, this, the num- ran the numbers on the totals the, just last year, there was more like around six or 7,000, so there's definitely been massive growth in the ITC. And of those thousands of players, um, you know, it comes down to that top 100, that top 150 that we're going to be talking today. And out of that top 150, 86 of the players are going to be showing at the uh, at the LVO. So more than half, which is pretty wild. And of the top 100, you've got uh, over 60 of, of that. So um, it's uh, it's if you think of it, it's one of the bigger tournaments you've probably ever been to of just the best players. Just off the cuff, um, is there any way we could use uh, that top 100 and that percentage to kind of get an idea of how international and how competitively international the ITC is becoming? What do you mean? So, if the top hundred, if the top um, well, if we have the data for the top 100, 150 players, uh, how many of those people are traveling from overseas? You know, have oh, most yeah. of their scores registered in other places? How well are we able to track how the RTC is growing globally? Well, oh, you um, guys, 
Thank now you. I gotta do that. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, hey, also, I'd like to qualify. When you said you just worked on a spreadsheet for fun because you had some free time, I was like, who does that? And I realized, oh yeah, Val and Pete, these two guys do that. <laughs> and Josh, the guy I work with does that. And then I realized, wow, I am a, I'm a frog who is flying right now. I'm not meant to be <laughs> Like a dog who's been shown a magic trick. <laughs> I am a, I am a charlatan of, of the highest order when it comes to these things. And I've always said so. Um, but I had, yeah, I, I, I was able to, I don't know. I guess I was the first guy who asked. So yeah, I got, I got the sheets from BCP last year, but what Peter's done with. It's it's basically what I was far too lazy to do, and is way cooler. So. I consider I I consider what Pete and Josh do to be like of a paramount importance. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I have no concept of how it's done or how it's pulled off. I just make broad generalist statements and then do my best to avoid backing them up later. I, I think that's actually a really intuitive. Uh, thing to look into that as an international person who's not you know we're i'm i'm five hours away from the lvo uh, give, give or take so it's not too hard for me to get down there um and uh you know you're talking by I, plane right like you you're not driving that fast that's no, a sled i just it's sled, i just, I just guys. pop my 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 umbrella in the air and the polar vortex <laughs> oh it's true <laughs> surf right down there's a new mary poppins starring val heffelfinger but yeah like of that of the half of the top 150 that didn't show is it just that they're international that's what, about, that's what I was thinking. Is like, is that showing the health of the game that so many people in the top 150 are international? Yeah, and the you know, and then things like you know what you were doing at Can- CanCon to you know provide a crown to the the people who are trapped on your uh, island in the yeah. uh, oh, um, Southern Ocean. I will. Ha- <laughs> I will say without the numbers to back it up that uh, a good number of the people in the top 150. Um, were international. There are quite a few uh, players from the, the that I recognized from the UK, a couple from yeah. Sweden, um, and a number of the, Aust- the the top Australians like Christopher Wright, Matt, uh, Wright, Matt Morisoli, um, several um, of the guys that I just recently watched at CanCon um, were in that top 150, and uh, and of course, and they're not making it either, right? So. Yeah, I was up there last year. I made it to I think thirty or thirty first last year, so I was pretty happy with that. In uh, the ITC overall last year. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, no, never again though. It'll never happen again. It was like a fart in a bottle. <laughs> That's right. Hey, my my uh, my LVO objectives: win my first game, maybe, and uh, that'd be it. That'd be and then, then reassess. <laughs> Just compete for it for at least one round. That's what I'm looking for. So, so we're not talking about me though. We're talking about the top 150 players in the world, pretty much. All right. Well, good represent. It's not quite when. Americans hold hold a championship, call it the World Championship, but they're the only ones who play that game. Uh, there's actually, as we just pointed out, a truly uh, international contingent of the best players coming. And uh, I thought it'd be cool to have a look and see what did the top 150 know that maybe the other, how many players? 400, 500 players, right? It'll be about five, almost 550 when it's all so, said and done. So like we're, the, we're banking on 700 by the looks of things. That's really awesome. Uh, so what are that, what is the, what is the cream of that crop uh, know that uh, that everyone else doesn't. So where do they defer in their in their you know faction choices? At least that's the level we can look at it. Uh, so how does that skew things when you're when you're only looking at the, the top one fit? Well, turns out that uh, there there actually are some pretty big bets being made. Well, let's start with primaries and then we can talk about percent list. I think you know primaries and imperfect. We were talking about this pre-show, but it's kind of a pre. Uh, so primary being the most amount of points I guess taken from the faction, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's how this how, how Peter does it, and um, you know I guess it it does give us an idea of what people think are the best factions. But of course, mm. you know, the percentage appearance of various factions is still going to 
tell you a different story entirely. You know, um, Knights and Astro Militarum would be a good example of that. Well, yeah, um, spot on, because there's 24 detachments of Astro Militarum, but only four of those are primaries. So what is, that tells you that people view Astro Militarum as um, you know, a much better secondary force, which, of course, we already know. But that's not necessarily the case in, in the uh, the wider field. The, the wider field, yeah, 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 where, yeah, yeah. where almost 10% of the uh, the field is going to be running Astro Militarum primary. Um, there's only yeah four of these 86 guys in uh, in the top 150 that are, are bringing the, the guard game, um, and then if you look at I mean well, let's just go down the top three or four here real quick. Sure. Inari, uh, I don't know if that's a surprise to anyone. If it is, you've been playing a different game than I've been playing for the last <laughs> little bit. Certainly not a surprise um, to me. Um, Eleven uh, primary Inari detachments uh, showing up at uh, at LVO in the, the out of the top eighty-six, so almost thirteen percent, twelve point eight, and that's uh, compared to the five percent of primaries um, that that are actually in the field. So that's huge. Um, so that's a major differential. Uh, second Seems place like. for primaries, you've got uh, Drew Kari um, at 9.3%, which is a slight increase over the 7% uh, that you have in the field. So it, it, they're they're mostly on par. Yeah, eight players. Uh, if there were if there were only seven, it would essentially be equal. So it's not like it's a major difference. But I find the so just touching on that, I find the sheer qu- a number of detachments that have been taken in Drew Kari is pretty astonishing. Yeah, yeah. the The number of lists, twenty two of the lists. Uh, have some kind of Drakari in it. That is the, if you look at percent lists, that is the most represented, them and uh, Asuriani. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm like, when you look at what people are bringing as a whole, once you discount the guard and knights, uh, like Drakari are extremely popular at the LVO. And with good reason there, they can put together some pretty terrifying lists uh, between uh, Razor Wings and Ravagers and Grotesques and, well, Whatever else you want to think of, Talos, I go on and on for a million years about the <laughs> like the, the the superstar um, options you can get out of a Drakari uh, codex. But I think um, more more importantly too, I mean is that 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 makes them represent over thirty percent, well almost well it's twenty nine percent of the uh, top eighty six lists. You know, piloted by the top eighty six players are, are are Eldari of some kind. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that that does that is a, a much bigger bet on Eldari than say the the general field would have. So each one of those factions, especially you know as they've been taken primary, is uh, quite a lot high, lot higher uh, concentration um, than than the wider field would have. For sure. Um, and then your third place is a is a tie between orcs, which is uh, roughly what they what the field sees, just just over eight mm-hmm. percent. So the field is eight point three seven. Eight point one four percent of the uh, the top eighty the top one hundred and fifty or top eighty six as it were are, are piloting orcs, and then uh, the tie with them I did find interesting, and that's uh, cult mechanicus. That is fascinating. Very very yeah. interesting. I'd be very interested to get all those lists and get them put next to each other and see what the similarities are. Yeah. Do you do you have any uh, thoughts on that, uh, Peter, as to why maybe Admech? I mean, Admech is um, you know not not unrepresented in the in the wider field but uh, certainly more heavily concentrated here why do you think yeah. that might be well if you look at the the top like 150 that are that are actually showing up uh, a few of them um uh, have been running uh, cult mech for forever or at, at least like half of their represented uh, matches like matches mm-hmm. or tournaments i should say were cult mech to begin with so they're like guys like uh, rob porter who've been playing with them for a long time 
um, they're not changing anything. Well, they're changing their list, but they're like they're not changing up what uh, what they're trying to bring to to win it all. Um, and uh, the new vigilist attachments have added some very unique um, opportunities uh, for cult mech. If uh, not to mention the points drops uh, yeah. in chapter approved, they got some significant ones that that made certain units that that had originally seen play when the cult book came out and then kind of dropped off the earth once every other book showed up and was just a little bit better. Uh, it come back into the play, like uh, Castellans uh, are back, and you rarely saw them except at the bottom tables for a long time. Uh, the robots, not the giant ones. Yeah, yeah and now Cataphrons were, were never seen. The only time you saw them was in 7th edition in a war convocation because you had to. And now yeah. they're like, wow, so efficient for the points, and you can add so many layers onto them. Yeah, and the new servitor maniple means you can take you know five, four to eight, uh, you know whatever six point or four point crappy servitors, and you have extra wounds. Yeah, you can create new cataphrons out of them if you really need to. So like that's th- th- there's a lot of good play there, mm. um, and uh, people are being re- extra tricksy with their little knight detachment they're tagging onto them because cult mech does have the advantage of giving a knight cover if it wants to for a turn or two. Yeah, and super yeah. repairing it and all sorts of other crazy things. Also kind of interesting where, uh, and actually there's there's two of them right, right in line here, where the field and the top one, sorry, the, the, the well, we can call them the top one, the top 86 players in the, uh, in the tournament, both orcs and tau are almost bang on, exactly the same, mm-hmm. which is, so, so that's, that is a curious thing to me. And I wonder if those might be just on the backs of people who are competing for the faction or what that might be. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Although both of them, so Orcs was, you know, rel- a relatively new book as for chapter approved. But then Tau got essentially almost had their codex rewritten past chapter approved. They completely revamped what was viable. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to see what how those percentages have changed from pre to post chapter approved. I'm sure Peter will have something on that. Give him another chore to do while we're typing away. Uh, but I was actually looking a little bit further down. I wondered how um, Imperial Knights shape up um, between this microcosm and the, the greater field, because here they've got um, 15 detachments, five primaries. Um, any idea how that shapes up to the rest of the field? Uh, well, the field is, is uh, as far as primaries concern, concerned, about 10% Knights. Yep. Um, but in, in the uh, top 150, they're at 5.81, so 6%. So, so there's definitely the the top players are shading away from Knight's primary. Yeah. Um, as far as like, and even that, and that goes right to their actual representation in list themselves. Um, so you know, um, there's uh, you know, within the top 150, 17 percent have have knights, a knight detachment in it, and 22 percent broader field with a knight in it. Mm. Um, so that's something. And as to the Tau representation, it's um, it's very similar. Post chapter approved Tau have uh, they went up a little bit in representation, about a, a percentage point or so. Uh, they they've been sitting at a between seven and eight percent of the field uh, post chapter approved, um, getting as low as say like six point five, uh, which kind of matches up with what we're seeing at LVO. Like I think the overall they're what about was it eight percent? I'd have to bring up the sheet again here. In terms of the overall field, uh, Tau, yeah, Tau are actually below that. They're at um, uh, they're at six and six point five percent of the field. 
So not, well, still not a, a major yeah. a differential from yeah. like from what you're what I'm seeing right now, which is like I said, low as six point five, as high as about seven point five eight, uh, tournament to tournament. But I would think like as a bad Tau player that the um, <laughs> what a good Tau player might think is that maybe Tau underperforms when there is such dense terrain, and especially the the types of boxes that you can hop into and can't be touched by anything but SMS. SMS granted is super powerful in in it away a little infantry but when you got super tough infantry hiding in those boxes uh, maybe maybe they've done the, the mental math and thought you know Tau is the best bet and gone to other things well I know that uh, our very own Sean Morgan yeah. was going to bring Tau to LVO and then after testing it out um, at the charity hammer tournament or event and uh, at a couple uh, and a couple more test games he just dropped it because he, the sms wasn't enough unless you went real crazy with it and then you lose to a bunch of other lists yeah and he was uh, the list he was bringing had a ton of sms as it was um, and then he decided he's going to go for best in faction of suriani so he brought a list with you know 995 points of a suriani and 995 <laughs> points of anari and said here we go evensies i get to pick um, just shifting gears, um, some some ones that I think are kind of interesting as far as you know, where the where the top players sort of really divert. One might be Thousand Suns. Thousand Suns seems to be they're still represented in, in a similar amount of lists, almost the same amount on a on a percentage basis. But but they, as a primary, they're not. Yeah, yeah. And the the real the thing here with Thousand Suns is uh, like the template Thousand Suns list, whether they're run as a primary or a secondary really only differs in how many Zangors you brought. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, or if you bothered. So you got someone like um, Mike Porter, who runs uh, a primary Chaos Space Marines list, and uh, like that he's run for forever, with Abaddon and a billion cultists. And then he might have, a, but that overrides however many like uh, points he has in Thousand Suns. Um, and then you, and, uh, like that goes, if you look at Matt Morisoli's list from CanCon, which we'll discuss later, I believe he was Chaos Demon's primary. Um, but that was really just cause he, d he dropped some points in Thousand Suns to take more Chaos Demons. Yeah. Um, right. It's just like, uh, like it's a fine balance where they're generally about at least 600 points a Thousand Suns in all of those lists. Cause you're going to take Ariman and two Demon Princes for the most part. And then it's just, did you add enough Zangors to make it your primary or not? Yeah, so it's a, it's the same archetype. Yes, exactly. It's a bunch of bodies in front of mortal wounds. What's your favorite of the Neapolitan ice cream? Do you <laughs> exactly. Do you want to take plague bearers and bloodletters, or do you want or cult, uh, chaos cultists, or you want them Zangors running around? So. And then another interesting thing is, I thought um, you know Astromo Tarum with all of the vigilance detachments, and, uh, I guess recent. Um, lift that was given it through chapter approved might appear more primary they might have the power to do that but it actually in the top 150 anyway appears you know 50 percent less as the primary faction um yet is still represented in lists at about the same clip and only five percent less take astronaut um so you're still seeing them in 25 percent of the of the list just barely any of them only five percent of them run them as primary well i just i'm just actually looking at this list um I think it's even, it shows the health of the game, the fact that the vast majority of factions are even represented. Like the fact that we have Blood Angels, we have uh, Officio Assassinorum, we have Corsairs, we have uh, Sisters, we have Necrons. Like most, of, most, if not all, factions have some representation at this level. I think that can only be a good thing. I mean, I, I, I bet you if we did the same thing for 7th edition, that wouldn't be the case. It'd be Riptide oh, Wings, Dog Stars, Battle Companies. For sure. Like if you go... Previous editions, like I remember 
following uh, tournaments, say back in sixth edition, where the top eight lists, seven of them were exactly the same to the yeah. unit, right? Yep. And then you'd have like one guy that did something funky. Uh, so this is great. T- to be fair, there's only two codexes uh, that aren't showing up in the in the top eighty six, at least as in some kind of detachment. Our poor uh, Grey Knight friends. No one wanted to take them. <laughs> and Space Wolves. Uh, those poor, poor Space Wolves. No one thought that uh, they could do it. And you know what? I'm just going to put it out there right now. Mitch Pelham. There you go. <laughs> he didn't come. I talk to him and, and see his musings enough. He does have some pretty funky Space Wolf ideas. But even he's not sure that, they, that they're ultra competitive. He just feel, feels they can beat certain metas. Yeah. Um, and then I mean the rest that aren't aren't uh, showing up in the top eighty six dark mechanicus whatever that's your one guy that brought up Porphyrion. yeah exactly um, he's just like I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie up that best infection that's mine yeah so no none in the top uh, in those top one fifty like eighty six uh, no Inquisition big surprise uh, no Renegade Guard not a shocker uh, Renegade Knights that's probably the only one where I would have expected maybe one to show up like somebody bring bring a secondary detachment. Uh, when they're bringing chaos, uh, but like it's not—it's also not something that like completely shocks me. Where I'm going to think about it all night and stay awake, and uh, you dream about uh, like their folly. This has been an interesting little insight into it, and just to round it up again. I think uh, the best players in the ITC are betting heavy on um, on Yunari. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sorry, not just Yunari. Um, I wanted to say Eldari. Their actions, uh, they're all uh, used. Yeah, that knife ear soup is really, really big. Well, four so three of the top four Eldari, and it's only the only reason that's that's because is because we got a tied fifth and sixth with Colmec and Orcs. And that's also interesting because I think a lot of the well, at least top of my mind, two 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 real name players, both of which are, are former uh, champs, um, they're they're not running uh, Eldari. So we'll see how that's that uh, that changes things. Nope they're they're go- they're going in to get crumped is their goal. <laughs> Or, or do some crumping, depending on the situation. Top players, I think, might be a bit more in tune with what's good right now what rather than what, what things used to be good. Um, and one massive thing that has had an impact on what's good right now, of course, is our, our, our beloved chapter approved, the annual refresh slash update to the 40K rule set. Um, now, Peter, you wanna, you really wanted to swing back to this and, and talk a bit about uh, you know, how things have shifted. Now, how much data is there really even that's happened since Chapter Approved? So since Chapter Approved, I've managed to collect about 1,200 uh, individual games worth of data. Um, generally, I like to hit the, the good 2K mark before I say, this is how things are. Um, but 1,200 is significant enough that I think we can talk about it um, because... I can see the trends um, just by, even when I start uh, removing some of these tournaments, the numbers don't in most cases uh, shift dramatically, even with like CanCon uh, being a, a, like a big impact uh, due to the Australian meta being, I'm not going to say drastically different because uh, like what people brought to CanCon in terms of factions uh, was relatively similar to what we see across the world. Um, the individual lists uh, varied greatly. Like we'll be talking about CanCon's top four, and, um, and they are a unique breed of amazing players bringing some lists that uh, you don't normally see on our side of the, the pond uh, performing. So It feels um, good to be called unique and not called like deviant or criminal. Or... Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's I'm Canadian. I don't, I, I don't have those words in my vocabulary. That's mm. correct. Um, we only forgive. 
but we never forget. I just realized we're um, two Canadians and an Australian talking on an American podcast. It's beautiful. <laughs> and it's funny because when I was commentating on uh, CanCon with, the, with you lovely folk, everyone thought I was an American because I had that argument with Sean. They're like, well, he's obviously an American. No <laughs> but but then I apologized like three times at the end of the argument, um, and then they're like, oh, okay, never mind. He must. He not must be, be Canadian. <laughs> yeah, apologize. So anyway, <laughs> what is this? Um, so yeah, so I kind of want to talk just briefly about post chapter approved. I'm going to be doing up an article for FLG that goes into a lot more detail. Um, so so I won't go too far into this, but I did want to talk a little bit about what factions are, are performing post chapter approved. Um, specifically ones that have had giant shifts. Uh, so if we look, the, the top performing army right now, after chapter approved, is, and I know you guys have the spreadsheets in front of you, uh, but it's, uh, so, I, so I won't ask if you know. Space walls. Chaos demons. Chaos, Chaos demons are sitting at a 62.5% win rate. Now, uh, this has been impacted by CanCon. So, if, so for the people that want to make the excuse, well, it's not the same data. But uh, yeah, 62% of uh, so there's about a 3% impact on from CanCon on this Chaos Demon number. So it was already sitting between 58 and 59% without that data, which is very significant. They haven't, they've been in the mid 50s to low 50s for a long time now. Uh, still a performing army for sure. Um, but we're starting to see some some psychotic numbers out of them. Some of this is off of like Matt Morisoli's performance, Lee Abbey's performance, a few others from CanCon, but it's still. It's still a, like a, some exciting numbers. Um, number two, Inari, 59%. They actually took quite the nosedive uh, due to CanCon. Uh, they they did have two or three decent performers that went, say, five and three um, at the event, but they had a lot of people that did not. What data are you using for post-chapter approved here? Um, everything from January, my good sir. So uh, 59, uh, Inari is sitting at a 59% win rate, uh, almost on the dot. Uh, post chapter approved they were at a 63 prior to uh, if you if i took out the cancon data i believe yeah 63 percent so they took a big four point uh decrease so if you if you don't believe that australians actually play the same ga game we do then yes anari are still fantastic don't be afraid uh when you get your new codex in like five minutes very <laughs> good even standing on their heads yep even dealing with the uh, crazy reverse flushing toilets. And next up, uh, Tyranids, now sitting at almost a 59% win rate. Uh, so another top performer coming out. They've had a couple of uh, uh, GT and uh, GT and now a major win, like a 140-person major win. Mm -hmm. um, now that was a that was a pretty unique list, which we'll get to a little bit later. But in G have you seen that type of thing, or have Tyranids been winning in other ways as well? Tyranids have generally been winning in the Hive Kraken. Uh, how many Gene Stealers can I get in your mouth? So I, I will say that Nick Rose took something so something of the same archetype to what um, Eric brought. He took something similar to that to ETC, where he had the what we call a Gaunt Carpet, but he had his backed up by Zoanthropes, and so he would just mob you, tie you down with them, and then smite you out while you were still in combat. Um, and he did, he was very successful there with that. So, um, that archetype kind of seemed to drop off. Um, I'm not sure, not quite sure why, because it's still super, super powerful. Yeah. And I mean, Darren Jack brought 230 gaunts to Attack X and came in, I think, third place, maybe fourth. Sorry, uh, guys. It's hard to say. There's only so many good players that go to <laughs> Canadian events. So, um, shots so, fired. Wow. Only in the West Coast. Wow. And then, uh, and then fourth place, uh, the army that I've been uh, sending messages to Pablo about for months now, saying they're going to be good soon. You just wait. 
Um, and he just kept shunning me and uh, ignoring my posts and then blocking me on Facebook, um, is Death Watch at a 58.3% win rate. And uh, CanCon did have a, a small impact on this, about a 2% increase, but they've been sitting between 56 and 58% um, percent at every uh, GT and major uh for the month of January, and that and like that's about seven uh, tournaments that I've gathered data here on. Uh, now, could that be so. that? I mean, obviously they they got some breaks caught uh, from from chapter approved, but could that just be they're being played more? Like, I, or or do you think this has? They're definitely being shit? played more. Uh, that is a that is a thing. Um, but the reasons they're being played for, I think, are because chapter approved uh, really bumped their game up. They were an army that a lot of people kind of whispered about occasionally. They'd be like, I bet Death Watch would be good if they were a little cheaper. I think everyone um, assumed they should have been, like just even based on rules, the best you know, power armor option. For sure. For sure. And it's just that power armor generally sucked. But now we're in a, we, were, we were in a horde meta. We switched to a horde plus knights meta. And now people have figured out how to, how to kind of deal with knights in the top end tables. You're not seeing very many of them as well. Um, so yeah, so now with orcs on the table at about eight percent of uh, the the play in tournaments, uh, with uh, chaos cultists and uh, like bloodletter and all those other kinds of spam, like Deathwatcher, yeah, Deathwatcher legit option because they'll delete a thirty model unit every turn with just one of theirs. I'm just sitting here looking at all, all the other power, power armor win rates, and so we've got the basic Adeptus, um, Astartes is thirty three, thirty three percent, and you got. Death Watch is what was what fifty three, fifty eight, fifty eight. So I mean, from what what can you what can you extrapolate from just that that comparison? Because I was looking at all the others, and no one even comes close. I think the second highest is Dark Angels at forty, uh, thirty seven, no, thirty seven. What's the next highest power armor? Space Wolves win rate. Uh, sure, it, it should be Space Wolves, shouldn't it? So look at this discrepancy between the next highest is fifteen percent win percent, but percentage between the next highest power armor faction so what I mean what can you tell just from that is it just that it says hey if you actually give power armor the tools it doesn't matter if they're expensive because death watch is expensive it's a very elite army but it has a hell of a lot of tools to it and good players sure. can make good players can make that work um, mixing being able to mix armor saves and having a you know six storm shields in a unit of 10 um that makes a big deal of a difference uh, it's huge well, and yet that unit is uh, what fifty to sixty percent more expensive than uh, just sorry, probably considerably more than that than just ten tac marines or ten veterans or ten stone guard, isn't it? And yet that is yeah. infinite, and that that unit is infinitely better than ten stone guard. Yeah, like that unit generally runs anywhere between two ten and two hundred and thirty points, depending on how many terminators or special like equipment you throw in there, and you know, like ten stone guard are what one forty now. I think yeah, one forty so, or one sixty. Yeah, so it's just so, yeah. it's just crazy to consider that if you know, just give it the right, just give the units the right rules, and it doesn't matter what armor you're wearing, you can make it work. Well, the fact that you can also you know fall back and shoot, fall back and charge, that's exactly, man, that's what teleport I mean. yeah. out of combat, they just yeah, giving them yeah. tools, giving you some play. It's just not oh, I've got ten tack marines and I can give them rerolls. I can give them rerolls. Gosh darn it, they're gonna reroll to hit. We're gonna these bolters. They're gonna do some work. I think <laughs> the, it's been said on this show and other places that Death Watch feel like they play a bit more like what power armor like. Do you know what they feel well, at like? least from the, the books do yeah they do you know yeah. what they actually feel like they feel like eldar they're they're space marine eldar they're what they're what happens when you give a an eldar toolbox to a space marine model yeah, yeah. I, that's a really good uh yeah a really good analogy there mm. and speaking of eldar coming up now uh is still just plain old Asurani. 
Yep, at a 56, which is a Ask big improvement. Annie, apparently, is uh, the name it's of the what? Yeah. The Asirani? Asirani. Hey, dude, like GW has to protect their uh, copyrights, and the easiest way to do that is make up names. Oh, I just made an incredibly open vowel that I just used there. Man, oh, sorry. Well, at least it's not sanguinous. 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 I love guys, that it rhymes with penis. What's the what's so in Australia we have what we call bogans, and bogans are like the the real Aussie blokes, you know. They're like the answer is hosers. The hosers. Yeah, we is have that the Canadian. Hosers. So what hosers, is a hoser? Eh? Oh yeah, eh? okay. Oh okay. <laughs> hey bud, okay, we're rounding up the best factions here, bud. We're just ripping on right through this here list. We're gonna, we're gonna go ahead now uh, down to. Down to Orcs, Astra Militarum, they're right around 50, batting 500, not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good, yeah, right. Yeah, nah. <laughs> Peter is appalled. <laughs> but when you say Assyriani, I feel like it's like kind of a, a fancy beer. We get down the pub, you know, we we'll go down there. Hey, Copper, what's that you got on tap right there? And be like, yeah, mate, that's, uh, that's the uh, new Assyriani. Uh, Peter's like, mate, pop us up one of those. I'll have a pot of that. Thank you very much, mate. <laughs> now, you are talking... <laughs> Like someone, I think that would clean his teeth with a with a knife, uh, but that's that's cool. What were you about to say? <laughs> well, first off, I'm an East Coaster, so I take offense to the hoser uh, uh, talk because that's how most of us do talk. I just happen to have been away from them for long enough now that it's gone. Um, <laughs> my my amazing impersonation didn't inspire it back. No, funny. but if you get if you catch me in the Miramichi or in a gas station at the right time, it's full out. <laughs> Um, so anything the, else, else from this? Only thing down? I'll talk about, and this is just because I do, I do get a lot of emails from um, Blood Angels players who are like, "How can I make my my men's work?" And first off, I'm not the person to talk Oof. to about that. I'm really bad at this game, but mm. I I do see the lists at work. Um, and post chapter approved, um, they started off good. They had a couple decent tournaments. Since then, not so much. They're, they are the worst performing faction so far post chapter yeah. approved Absolutely. with wow. a. 20% win rate. Um, Is that, yeah. Guys, least, okay. Grey Knights are doing better than you. At least it's a nice square number. <laughs> here's, 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 a, here's a question I'd love to pitch. Um, is Has anyone gotten worse? Has there been anyone that really suffered from chapter proof? Blood Angels got way worse. Yeah. They were they were hitting... Was that not a big they, fact thing that really screwed those guys? But yeah, it was the, yeah, it was the but fly nerf. Been like a, yeah, and, they've been on a perpetual down uh, since the first fact. It's like yeah. every FAQ or uh, codex co- that comes out has something that's just like, well, I don't know how to deal with that. I'm a Blood Angel player. Except Gr- Imperial Knights. That was like the only one where they're like, ha, we're the one with a tool. And then yeah. they're like, well, we don't want you actually being able to do that. That's foolish. So, so everyone everyone just like jumped on the Castellan list and the byproduct of that getting nerfed has completely ruined Blood Angels. Yeah. Imperial Knights, have, for the record, dropped below a 50% win rate. They wow, have, and really? that was the other thing I was going to mention. So they were sitting at, um, I believe, just barely above 50% before CanCon. Like, barely. They were hugging it. And to be fair, a good amount of that was the mirror match. Um, but now they are at a 47%. Wow. Uh, 48%, really, if, you round, if you're round, if you good in the rounding numbers. That's, yeah, like, CanCon kicked the crap out of them a little bit, but they were already on, a like, a, 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 a steep dive. Um, prior to chapter approved, they were, they were sitting pretty lovely at about a 55% win rate. Um, prior to the big fact, they were at like a 65 if you remove the mirror match. So it's just been kind of like the slow and steady drop. Well, here's a, um, here's a question. Can a, a faction be considered a gatekeeper faction when they can't win 50% of their games? 
I think so because uh, I think it depends on who's playing it too, right? Um, I think right now a gatekeeper faction, um, but I, I, we're going to get into an argument about definitions. I think until beta bolters comes into effect for real, I find Death Watch is a pretty decent gatekeeper because um, I believe at all but one, so six of the seven majors and GTs I've covered since the beginning of January, there's been a one Death Watch player that's been in the top four. Um, and they've all like lost their fifth game, um, or or somewhere in that range. Like they they're not losing early, so it's really like the gatekeeper. They're getting to that that top table or mm-hmm. the top four in the round three, and that's when they finally meet their match. So they're kind of like Thousand Suns was for a long time. They were sitting almost at a sixty percent win rate, but just couldn't win a tournament. And then Matt Morrisoli won one, and I'd like I, I like had a little. Heart stutter. I had to go to the, <laughs> the hospital. And one case, Suns has cooled off a lot. Yeah, what do you what do you think that's off the back of? Because they haven't taken any significant nerfs. Well, they did, they didn't in chapter approved at least. Yeah, but if you look at them as a faction, st- still sitting about a fifty five, I think a lot of that is what we were talking about with um, your top one fifty. A lot of players are moving to taking more chaos demons. Yeah. Um, and with that just Arimon and a couple demon princes or Arimon and some sorcerers on discs yeah. and leaving it at that. Uh, there's something to be said for having a, a more aggressive um, wave clear, like because with hordes coming back in with a greater effect with like orcs and such, being able to have a blood litter bomb that can come down and delete 30 of those orcs um, or um, a, a pink horror bomb uh, with a change caster, stuff like that, that, that actually can, uh, put a hurting on those units. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are finding it a little more valuable than the uh, than the Zangor bombs are. And That'd be my only explanation. And the, I mean, similarly, uh, well, actually not similarly, being what we were talking about before, which was Tau, in that you know they're not heavily represented in the meta, um, at least not compared to you know what conceptually you'd think they might be. Uh, and they're below a fifty percent win rate, despite a ton of points drops. They do have a major win, I believe. Was and a major. I've stopped playing them, just for the record, guys. <laughs> it's so it's not you, your fault. <laughs> you you did move away from them uh, to to try to make them better. Um, I did my best. It was for the, the one thing I'll say is <laughs> with Tau, Tau have always kind of been a forty eight to fifty two percent win rate faction. Always, ever since I collected the data. They've been on the verge of 50 and hovered there back and forth for forever. So this doesn't this number isn't like a shocking one, I believe. If you look at their numbers, this is just shocking to me in as much as like they know, got a bunch of buffs list. and for some reason yeah, they're, they're still, still going. They're the still same. stubbornly than they were. I would suggest still a ton of weak matchups, probably. Yeah, because I mean, if you go back all the way through my data, they are at a 49% win rate overall yeah. with it's everything just, included. Yeah. So, so basically exactly what they're Yeah. Yeah. So, so they haven't really shifted a whole lot. So any any final takeaways here for the post chapter approved meta? I guess chapter approved works, right? Like well, maybe not in that last case I'm about, but definitely some armies here that need a help are are, are ripping it up like Nari, Asurani. Well there's there's one we didn't talk about, which is Admech. And Admech got well, yeah. equally I think the best of chapter approved. I think Tau and Admech got the most positive changes. Um so what's their stats looking like? Uh, so we've got 44%, of winners primary, but 52.5 as faction. Uh, I would expect that to see that raise considerably, even just off the back of the LBO, with how many we know primaries are being bought there. Yeah, I would, I would hope to see them go up. There's been a lot of talk. There was a lot of talk that they got so much better 
um, after Chapter Proof came out, and then there was kind of this like slow roll of maybe they didn't get as much better as we wanted. Mm. Um, but I know uh, for a fact that a couple of the top Cult Mechanicus players have been really hardcore ripping out some very unique lists, and uh, I'll be really surprised to see how they perform at LVO. Uh, there's a couple of them there that I'm really rooting for because I always love an underdog. Yeah, me too. I've got really high hopes for Admech. Um, I'd love to see them come back into the fold as an actual competitive choice because uh, literally they weren't. They they have never been a competitive choice with the exception of one formation th- through their the entire existence of the faction. If you were to remove um, the War Convocation as, a, as an entity from the, the life of the Cult Mechanicus faction, at no point were they competitive. At no point were they even close to being competitive. And I think that's okay. something I would love to see change for a significant amount of time. Just to add more termite drills. <laughs> yeah, would, uh, although I love that model, man. In conclusion, then, I'll say that uh, Chaos Demons are hashtag the new Thousand Suns. Uh, Unari still doing Unari things. And hey, look at those Death Watch. With all of that said, now I guess we can roll into our final segment. Um... I guess we could give Pablo the option of playing an adorable commercial right now or not, psych. <laughs> We're going to go right into CanCon coverage or Can content. If you're a Canadian, you get that joke. My Ooh. God. Um, I love it. And uh, so you guys down uh, on, on the Down Under Network were kind enough to, uh, well, kind of desperate enough maybe, <laughs> to, uh, to invite the uh, various talking heads from the Chapter Tactics podcast to come onto your stream on Twitch. Uh, one of my favorite uh, live 40k Twitch streams, although in my very brief effort at showing up on the wrong day, um, I uh, I was overwhelmed. I, I find it very hard to talk that much about 40k. I don't know, I don't know, but obviously, you guys are are not in that boat. But how was your streaming experience down there? So apart from the first hour of the first day, it was utterly phenomenal. The best streams we've done, the best content we've produced. We tried so many new things, and it all seemed to work. Uh, especially having you guys on, like th- that's actually something that I don't think's ever been done before, which was getting an um, kind of an external entity involved and people just commentating with live commentators on the ground as well. Uh, I thought that was crazy, crazy amazing that we could pull off something like that. Um, and thank you so I enjoyed, much. Uh, I enjoyed too when uh, when your partner in crime was wandering around on on his, on his headset. Yeah, well, see, he he we came up with that on the fly, and he just like I'm going to give it a go, and it worked. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for being involved. We really, really appreciate it. I thought you guys did a um, surprisingly good job. We we wondered how you guys were going to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sean was Sean was all over it. So was Pablo. Pablo was fantastic. And yeah, yeah, Peter too. I think Peter was in and out. He was chucking in um, stats for the LVO at the time. But yeah, yeah, guys, I was I was doing my best. I was I was impressed. Yeah. No, it was really great. I really, I loved uh, the the two or three times I managed to get on. Um, that uh, particularly the Jeremy Martino, uh, Eric Lathuris game, game mm. seven. Yep, it was spectacular. I loved watching it. I loved the the commentary everybody was providing, all the input. Um, it was just, it was a wicked game to watch. If anybody is trying to figure out how to play a horde army in a competitive setting. I would highly recommend you you tune into that game, mute it, don't listen to us. <laughs> we talk, we talk. Some things we say are legitimate. Sometimes we don't know what's going on and it's just gibberish. Just watch how Eric plays that army because it's absolute. I I'm not sure he made a mistake that entire game. No, I'm, uh, not, I'm not. Sure. I'm not sure he made a mistake the entire event. Eric is a he's well. We call him a prodigy. He's been playing tournaments since he was eight years old. He's he's only in his early he's only in his early twenties now, and so he's got 
more years under his belt than most people in the game. Yeah. Uh, his last turn in that game, yeah, he had three into Termagants and old one eye surrounding one watch captain and nullifying um, Jeremy's entire ability to play the game. He couldn't shoot anything on the board. It was incredible. He used one watch captain to, and tagged it with three units of termagants and a character, and thereby just it was, meant, it was it was a work of art great. almost. It was insane. The, the way he strings the way he would string his uh, units, um, it, like impeccable and fast. Like they got they got to turn six and had time remaining. Yeah, and um. Like, he's so fast. I think that was the, the part that impressed me the most. Mm. I know we talk about this sometimes, uh, and to your, like, normal listener, it'll be like, okay, I want to watch models. That sounds incredible. Let me get my Kleenex and Vaseline out. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's very dry right now. There's very low humidity. It is true, and it's very cold. Yes. Uh, but honest to God, um, like, I was shocked at how, like, how fast he was. I thought you guys sped up the stream. There was a point where I was like, are these guys doing some shady business? I don't think people can move models that fast, mm. but uh, and and to be like perfectly like two inches apart, all of them, just like a gorgeous play. Yeah. And Jeremy Martino, if, he basically made like one key error at the at the beginning of the game that totally bombed him for the rest of it, and that's just how good Eric was that he only needed the one open. Let's pull it back. Let's let's just let's just back it up. Sorry, for... yeah, we're getting. I'm really excited about <laughs> so that. The, the term Diving of... right for that. Devin right for the bra strap. We're we're unclasping the clasp. We want to slow this thing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like a 14-year-old boy. The Australian term for what we just did <laughs> was blowing smoke up someone's ass. Do you guys use that term? Blowing smoke? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Cool. 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 I thought I thought it was an Australian thing for a second. Yeah. We just blew some up. We blow smoke all the time, but so the reason why I want to back it up is to just maybe set the stage a little bit more before we get into the nitty gritty of actually sure. what happened. Um, and uh, maybe I shouldn't have tossed it over to you guys so fast, but yeah. at any rate, uh, we are talking about the CanCon tournament, which. Uh, you can correct me whenever I'm wrong in what I'm about to say, Adam. The CanCon <laughs> tournament, which is sort of the culmination, I think, of the Australian uh, you know, tournament seat circuit uh, down there. It's the last tournament before LVO, so I guess it's, I think you guys do crown an Australian we champion do. down there. Well, that, yeah. is our, that is the end of that signifies the end of our season in Australia. So our seasons run from the day after CanCon to CanCon, and we crown our you know our number our top top three. Um, top three of CanCon, top three of the ITC for Australia, and all the faction awards go out at the end of CanCon. And so, I think one thing that can't be overstated is the stakes at at uh, the stakes up for grabs here. Oh yes, because, you know, at at the LVO when you're playing for the ITC, I think they're up to four, maybe five grand. Shoot, I should look that up. I think it was um, six. You know, that's six. They're winning money. They're yeah. winning an amount of money. You're winning some money, but for 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 CanCon, you're winning something much more valuable uh, to an Australian, which is a ticket off of the island. Um, <laughs> so so yeah. what, what was the prize? What was the prize? First place at CanCon was a, I think, all expenses, flights, and accommodation to the 2020 LVO plus a ticket to the LVO, of course. And so yeah, um, half paid for by the event, half paid for by Frontline Gaming. Yeah, whoever wins the ITC number one in Australia gets to go to the 2020 LVO. Fantastic! It's absolutely brilliant. Once again, FrontlineGaming.org for all of your uh, hobby needs. Well done. Mm. They'll even paint your models. Yeah. And look, look and at all the good things that our friends at Frontline Gaming do. They right? got a, that second hand shot run by that guy that we know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> by that greasy model salesman, Pablo. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, that oh took a turn. That took a turn. <laughs> Was. Well, he's just he's just very aggressive with his you know, he's got the those big blow up inflatable waving arm guys. Yeah. He's got that big lot just with all those like rundown models just lying around. 
and a canyon. There's some gems though, Val. There's just some. There are some gems, but you have to go to the events to see those. He only brings those out for the for the players. So that's that's what CanCon <laughs> is. Uh, and then the structure, I believe, was eight rounds, correct? Eight rounds. The only difference is we don't break for a top eight. Every single person plays eight rounds. So you are everybody has to run the gauntlet. If you want to be one of the it's top, gorgeous. If you want to be one of the top players of that event, you have to beat probably three other top players to get a good spot. So every like the, the guys in the top um, five of this event played guys in the top ten for the last like three rounds. Uh, it was right. it was pretty insane. So the. What would you say the story of the tournament down there was coming into it? Was there something that you were, you know, we're, we're looking at LVO right now, we're sort of shaping the narrative. What was it that you were really anticipating uh, coming into that? Was there, is, there, is there a Nanavati of Australia? Was there, was, is there someone who was far out in the lead? What was really the, what were the stakes? So Matt Morisoli, Lee Abbey, and, and Chris Wright were all, had all at some point been number one in Australia and were all jostling for that number one spot. They were all very, very, uh, capable of taking it. Um, nobody else was really in contention apart from those three for getting the, the LVO trip. Um, and all three of those were very capable of crushing, getting a podium, possibly even winning the event. Um, the X factor there is uh, a couple of guys who've, who dropped off from the start of 8th edition. Um, some of the Queensland players. The Queensland scene uh, died down a little bit at the start of 8th. Um, guys like Eric and um, Liam Hackett, uh, Hayden Walduck, they all, they all came in the top four. So there was four um, Queenslanders in the top four, and they had been almost um, unheralded in the ITC kind of scene. They they played a couple of tournaments here and there, but then their reemergence into the competitive scene really kind of ignited this, um, you know, who's who's kind of archetypes, who's really the best players in Australia because we didn't we didn't honestly know because it kind of had some uh, battle lines drawn between who was going to join in eighth edition the the big eighth edition party or not. Uh, so them joining was a really big deal, but apart from that, them not being in contention for the ITC kind of threw a spanner in the works. Um, the biggest and most interesting thing that happened in the event was that those three players, Lee Abbey, Matt Morisoli, and Chris Wright, all took a loss in the same round of the event. In round four of the event, all three of those guys took a loss. And that just was like, holy crap, that just changed and made everything really interesting. Because now it's unlikely either of those, any of, the, any of those three become first so who's who's going to take it? The intrigue just built phenomenally from there. That's outstanding. So take it away from there. So who does? Uh, why, what what factions? Who does start shaping up at the top of that pack? So uh, coming in number one, Adeptus Soriatus. No, nah, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Eric, so because the uh, these guys didn't put in their factions, the first, second, and uh, third equal third are all listed as sisters players, um, which is pretty funny. So, but Eric Lathuris came first. He was the only player to go eight and zero. He did that with a what we called a, a gaunt carpet, which is a, a Tyranid archetype. Uh, so, hitting off that list, this is Eric Lathuris. I've turned on my. Um, if you guys haven't can't tell, I've turned on my shoutcasting voice. Uh, he had a Tyranid battalion with a Neurothrope. This is a Leviathan battalion, by the way. He had a Neurothrope and a Malanthrope. The Malanthrope was his warlord. He then had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, units of Termagants, two units of 25, two units of 26, two units of 27. I assume he's OCD and needed to space amount like that. Otherwise, he couldn't come. Then he has uh, two Biovores. Lastly, so next he has a Kraken Battalion as well. This one has Old One Eye in it and a Broodlord. Three units of three Rippers. And then lastly, he has Supreme Command Detachment. And this one is uh, Gene Steel Cult. He has a Magus, a Primus, a Patriarch, and 18 Pure Strain Gene Steelers. Uh, he also left points for a spore field in this um as well which is which actually was something he used to ridiculously good effect 
Yeah, sport? he he absolutely won a couple games with that sport. Absolutely, you did. Just in case he yeah. didn't have enough models to start with. Yeah, so for sure in yeah. that game against um, Jeremy Martino, when we uh, so he was able to kill one of Jeremy's um, Death Watch veteran units. For those at home, because it, it's not exactly um, something well known, what does the sport field do? It's a three CP stratagem. Um, that essentially lets you, um, at the end of a, I think it's before, at the end of deployment, you can drop a unit of uh, spore mines, um, you know, nine inches away from your opponent, I believe it is. Or yeah, it's like so you can summon, basically you're able to summon some spore mines yeah. and, and, uh, and, and drop them down. Yeah. And um, you can totally double move them and crack and advance them and all sorts of other shenanigans. Yeah, which is what he did to Jeremy, and yeah. Jeremy forgot they were there, and that really bummed bombed him hard. Yeah, bombed him out. It took cost him one of his um, Death Watch veteran units at like I think it was yeah. the top of turn one. He kind of lost them. He lost, I believe, eight of them top of turn one. Yeah, and then he lost uh, the rest because uh, he, he thought they were all gone. But uh, uh, Eric had hidden a second unit of spore mines in a building, mm. and he didn't know they were there. Ah, uh, yeah, and he... Eric rushed yeah. them to the back and killed the last two. I believe that's uh, yeah, what I think happened there. That's when it went down. Um, so yeah, that is uh, the number one spot. He So this actually works off a similar archetype to what the, uh, I guess you could say the um, the T-Suns work off. Like, so it's got a swarm, a horde of guys, and behind that are tech choices and smites and hard-hitting units. Uh, so he's got Old One-Eye, which is comparable to a Demon Prince, even though Old One-Eye punches so much harder, but the Demon Prince has Psychic. Uh, he has a couple of Broodlords in there, so he has a Broodlord and he has a Patriarch, he has a Magus and a Primus as well, and he also has a, a Neurothrope. And so he he bubbles those all behind several lines of termagants, he smites into combats, he shoots out um, his tech choices and uh, punches people down, and he holds his little pocket Pure Strain Gene Stealers as his counterpunch. Yeah, I love that, that's such a sexy little little uh, little attachment, I like it a lot. Yeah, I like it a lot too. Uh, he's also got a lot of uh, really. Of, well, he's got the best of the psychic powers. Having a Magus in there, um, you know, he's a tech choice against Tau with a mass hypnosis, uh, and uh, they also has mind control as well, which I don't think he, I don't I should, didn't actually see him use in many of his matchups, but you know, he has access to it if he wants it. No, but uh, mass hypnosis was part of the reason why he beat that uh, Tau player that he played yeah. against, because I believe that was like his. His one fear was going up against uh, Tau. That's right. Uh, yeah, or yeah. like the standard uh, quote unquote orc list. And uh, I don't believe he saw that, but he did play against the, like your your normal Tau Riptides band. And uh, he did manage to beat him. Yeah, funnily enough, the, one of the, the lists he was most afraid of was somebody bringing like 120 Fire Warriors. He was like, I don't know if I can beat that list. What <laughs> idiot would bring 120 Fire Warriors? <laughs> <laughs> Only someone like uh, Manny Chima or Alex Harrison. And that's oh, okay. They are, oh, dude, Fire Warriors give me the willies. They are so scary. Dot, dot, dot. Correct. Uh, <laughs> so what uh, What was his path to victory then? I mean, we started with the top. Uh, um, you know, how was did he cruise or was he was he, was he grinding them out? Like, no. What, he, was the, what was the story? So he beats um, virtually, except for Liam Hackett. I think he beat the rest of the top. Oh, sorry, he didn't beat Aaron Green. Uh, Joey Martino. Uh, Hayden Waldock, Matt Morisoli, uh, yeah, and Elite Abbey. He beat four. He beat four of the top, the top ten, on his path. And he really only had two close matchups. I mean, his game seven was close, um, but the score wouldn't sh- wouldn't nah, didn't reflect it. Show it. Uh, his first game was only a twenty-two point win. It's interesting. Oh, sorry, his eighth game. Yeah, never mind. And that was Horde on Horde and um, only got turned yeah, four. Yeah, that game didn't finish. Yeah, yeah. that's correct. Uh, that Overall, was I mean, was he, he was able to, to finish those, those games, I suppose. Eh? Well, he very quick. was only the last game he didn't complete. Of his, of his eight games, seven of them went six turns, went to a natural conclusion. 
Were there clocks available down at CanCon? Uh, they were ma- they were mandated if you were undefeated. So it was the same rules as as LVO. If you were undefeated going into, I believe, day two, um, you're almost mandatory to have a clock. It's a beautiful civilized thing. It is, yeah, in this uncivilized land. <laughs> so so he gets the he gets the golden ticket. He he wins it all. But who else? So who's got broken hearts right now? What, who came up and uh, run up finishing second? Who got the steak knives? Pete, well, do you second that? Sure, and and it's it's apropos that I I talk about it because it's uh, Jeremy Marigold. <laughs> uh, we just so you know, guys, a, a couple of weeks ago, Pete called him Jerry Marigold, and nothing has made Australians happier than taking the piss the out of the entire country. We calls him Jeremy Marigold. Now we do, yeah, yeah, and he for, will it's forever be ridiculous. <laughs> it is so and, good. And, I'm missing the joke here. Can you spell it out again? What so, is his name? A cu- say probably th- his name. His name is Jeremy Martino. So, like three weeks ago, uh, <laughs> we were t- giving some CanCon talk, and I think Pablo asked me who I was like rooting for or something like that for CanCon, and I was like, I'm really big on this uh, Jeremy Marigold fella because I didn't have the list in front of me. I just said it like that. It's because he's running Death Watch, and I I've yeah. been talking to Adam and Josh, and they had said like he's a top player. He's going to surprise people. And uh, the fact that he was running Death Watch, I was a pretty big fan of. The only way I would have loved him more was if he was running Custodes. So that's just all it is. And, and as, soon uh, as, you, as soon as you said that, 26 million people across this country laughed our tits off. It was so good. Yeah. And so I have watched YouTube videos from Australians where they call him Jeremy Marigold now. Like multiple, not just like one or two, like four or five uh, you've, uh, you've blogs. Wrote... Like Eric Lathoris yep. in his blog on the tournament called him <laughs> Jeremy Marigold. Jeremy uh, Martino himself called himself Jeremy Marigold when he went over his tournament review. So, yeah, I don't know what I created. I'm really sorry. You've ruined his life, just so you know. I'm sure. I'm sure everyone. There's like memes of him in, in yeah. gardens. We will. We will. I mean, we will I would have never sure. known Jeremy Marigold's name if this. So we can. Don't. So Jeremy Martino uh, went seven and one. Um, his only loss to the eventual champion. He brought a uh, Death Watch battalion with a librarian with jet, uh, jump pack, who he was giving the Beacon Angelus to the, for the teleport option. Uh, a Watchmaster, and then he had uh, three squads, mixed squads of veterans. Each squad had. Uh, five veterans with uh, storm bolters and storm shields, three terminators, two with power sword storm bolter, and one with a cyclone missile launcher. And that was in each squad. Um, he had a vanguard veteran with a storm shield, and a biker with a teleport homer. And that so he ran that in triplicate. Uh, then he had a Valhallen, um slightly upgraded loyal thirty-two. He had a company, two company commanders, one with the um, Valhallen pistol. Uh, for the morale checks, and then he had 30 conscripts, two units of uh, 10 guardsmen with mortars, and a wyvern. Um, and then lastly, he had a housecraft uh, knight crusader to deal with the uh, knights he'd have to go up against. So coming into this, uh, coming into this event, half of us were like, he's crazy. He's, he's going to bomb out spectacularly. And half of us were like, he's onto something. Uh, it's, it's, so those who don't know, Jeremy Marigold, <laughs> uh, he is, was the back-to-back um, CanCon champion. He won in 2017 and 2018. So he was coming in uh, as a super, super, so the, super, so super hot. name that Australians might know. It is. It is. Uh, so coming into this event, people were really switched on to what he was taking, and he left half the country scratching their head and the other half going, crap, I wish I thought of that. You're pretty hot on this, aren't you, Pete? I love it. I... It's very similar to uh, a number of lists that I have been fiddling with for Death Watch, because Death Watch are like my second army after Custodes, so I, and I've been trying to make them work, 
Um, it's a little different when you're up in the north and you only get a game in every month. Yeah. And the guys you're playing against aren't exactly super hardcore. So it's it's hard to say what's working and what's not sometimes because sometimes the, I'll just go up against a pure Grey Knight player. And yeah, like, exactly. Okay, I don't know if if I won because this this is good or because he's playing Grey Knights. Uh, sorry, guys. It's just what it <laughs> but um, but it's uh, everything about it is I really enjoy. It. I, I think the only thing I would I wouldn't have put in were the cyclone missile launchers. I have tried them in a list with that, but I ran it as a dedicated uh, missile unit with a cyclone missile launcher and four regular missile launchers, and I thought that yep. worked great. But I mean, it worked for him. It obviously worked. For yeah, him. which one seven and one really well. So the only thing I'm, I was always weird about was the how he's teched out his um, guard battalion um, as as a bit of a guard player. I always thought so he's taken Valhalla so he can shoot himself out of combat if he gets wrapped because naturally guardsmen are prime wrapping material to take some hostages and you know you can order yourself to shoot into that combat. You can use the mortars to kind of shoot himself out of being wrapped um, and then order himself to fall back with move move move. Yep. So. That's that's his little tech choice there, but he's also gone for the formation by chucking the the wyvern in. Um, I thought he would have been better off with more conscripts. I'd rather have seen this list with um, kind of sixty to ninety conscripts just to kind of add that horde element and uh, a bit more bubble wrap, which I think he missed out on, especially missed out on the Eric uh, Lefuris game. Yeah, and I think he even said that at the end, right? When you did did your yeah, interview with yeah, him. we did. Uh, in fact, that's exactly what I told him. I said, "Wouldn't you wish you had like twenty more guards?" And he's like, "Yeah." I mean, he made it uh, just about as far as you could go. Um, so who's uh, who's the also ran? Who got fired? Who's number three? Uh, Hayden Walduck, who played Chaos Demons. He has a oh. Nogal Battalion, Poxbringer, Sloppy Bar, Piper, Spoil, Pox, Scrivener. So that's the trifecta of Nogal Heralds. Then he has one, two, three, four units of play of 30 Plague Bearers, so 120. And then he has a Feculent Pooh Tree. Um, and lastly, he has a, a Supreme Command Detachment with a Bloodmaster, a Fluxmaster, and a Fluxmaster, and one of those is his Warlord. And if you're doing the math, you are correct. He has 514 summoning points. So the idea with this was to yeah use the Plague Bearers to take up a lot of board space and then summon behind the Plague Bearers whatever you need. Um, and he certainly used that really well. I don't know why um, I don't see summoning as often as I think I should, because if I was playing Chaos Demons, I think summoning is an incredible mechanic. I think part of it is there's a lot of debate on exactly how it works. Um, I know that uh, like ITC has ruled it one way, but even some of like the top players didn't realize it. I know you like uh, thinking back. Steve Pamperin, um had said he would summon if it wasn't for uh, what was it? I think it had to do with movement after summoning, but then it turned out that he, like he had just been incorrect, at least from the ITC standpoint. Because mm. um, uh, I know there's there are two or three at least. Um, armies off the top of my head coming to LVO, and uh, one of them for sure is being run by a relatively uh, well-known player um, who's trying to uh, pull in the summonings, uh, the summoning stick with a yeah. decent amount of points into it too. Well, so. when you consider that, like the so the the four um, troop choice, so well the three troop choices available to demons are all incredibly versatile and functional. As I said three, there are four, but I'm not counting demonettes um, for obvious reasons. Uh, they're all really, really good summoning options. Uh, bloodletters, horrors, plague bearers. You know, you need more of a screen. You summon more plague bearers behind your plague bearers if they're getting eaten too fast by Tau. Uh, you need to be aggressive, or you need to cut down on um, screens and bubble wrap. You summon in some horrors and shoot them down. You need to get aggressive and get surgical and charge into stuff. You, you summon plague bearers. Past that, you know, you got flamers as an option, um, and also the um, blow drones. Uh, yeah, the Nurgle flies, which is what um, Walduck and Hayden. Um, Summoned the majority of the time. He was he was summoning. He was using stratagems and getting units of eight, nine flies in 
summoned, and they were just wow, so hard to handle. So I mean, with a with a list of that size, and obviously bringing in uh, a bunch of stuff off the table as well, was he able to 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 move fast enough like that? Uh, seems like a daunting amount of models again. Yeah, look, he's he's uh, he's actually Eric's kind of best mate, and they play each other three times a week, and have played each other in Warhammer like three times a week forever. Does it grind um, fast? It is. And so they, they get their games done. Uh, I'm just looking, going to look at the stats for the CanCon stats for um, games to completion. So 79% of all Chaos Demons, is that, that's correct? Yeah, 79% of all Chaos Demons uh, games at CanCon went to completion. So I can't tell you for his specifically, but I can tell you the majority. Um, well, I can tell you 21% didn't, didn't finish. So what's that? That's, so, uh, yeah. With an unstoppable force like that, uh, what immovable object did he happen to run into? Uh, the same one everyone else ran into. <laughs> I think that's. I think Eric was the only guy who knocked him off. Yeah, it was. Round seven. Sorry, Jeremy Martino's loss was round six. Yeah. But yeah, his was round seven. And I remember you guys talking about it because you were streaming a different game. And you, every time Josh got up, he'd go over and be like, I don't really know what's happening here. Hayden doesn't seem very happy, though. And yeah, would just, yeah. that would be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I believe in that game what happened was uh, everything got tied up on Termagants and then I think the um, the Gene Steels got around the sides or he I think he got um, Alt one eye into the uh, Blow Drones. Okay. Which he does an absolute number when he attacks twice. And so um, any other comments about this list? Anything surprising? I mean, the 70 points is a really cool tweet, uh, really cool uh, piece of tech. Yeah. Which I agree seems really useful and sometimes options maybe are really, really good to have. Well, I, th- tailor your list. I think it's an amazing... Sideboard, really. Yeah, I think it's an amazing option to have for a good player. I think you have to be a good player uh, and have to be you're quite accomplished if you want to pull that off game to game to game because it's 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 going to decide everything, um, how you use those 500 points. Um, I think in, his, in the game we streamed of Hayden's, I think it was his game five, I believe we streamed. He played against mm-hmm. a elder, a dark elder player who had a, a six Talos, seven grotesques, and we thought because those grotesques went into the plague bearers and pulled, I think they pulled uh, close to sixty of them in one turn, and we we're like, he's boned. There's no getting back from that. And then he summoned the right things and rolled up all of those guys and won the game. Um, so that was really cool. But um, Pete, tell us about Liam Hackett's list. Liam Hackett. So Val, this is right up your alley. You really enjoy the Orc Boys. Yes, and uh, and Liam Hackett uh, wanted to deliver. So one thing I've learned about Liam Hackett from all my talks with Adam and Josh is he's a very lazy person. Um, <laughs> so he didn't want to run boys. He felt it was too much to too much of an ask. So this might be right up your alley, Val, because I hear you have a hard time running a lot of models. Yes, um, but I only pick many many models. So please tell me. <laughs> so he ran a Evil Sons Battalion with a war boss, a weird boy. 30 Gretchen, as one does, uh, and uh, 20 Mega Knobs with uh, Power Claws and Custom Shooters. Mm-hmm. He then had a Bad Moons detachment with uh, two Big Mechs with Shock Attack Guns, another 30 Gretchen, and 15 Tank Busters. He also brought uh, 15 Ludas in that detachment. And then he had a Blood Axes detachment with another Big Mech with Shock Attack Gun, another Weird Boy, and another 30 Gretchen. Not the too end. shabby. So it's kind of like a weirdly elite uh, orc list. It's still you know, like 150-ish models, maybe more. Um, but you know, 90 of those models are just protecting the rest of yours and not doing a whole lot else. Mm. Um, and then he's relying on essentially moving about 35 of them, just the uh, mega knobs and the tank busters. Well, how much hilarity ensued from those? Did you, did I hear three shock attackers? Yeah, uh, you are correct. And were any of them dreadwa? 
I so th the thing with CanCon, and, and uh, Adam can correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought with CanCon they made a ruling um, that you didn't have to put them on your list so you could decide game to nah, game. They made, to run they made that their little gimmick, their little thing to make CanCon a little bit special, that you could choose not to put them yeah. on your list if you didn't want to. So I, I know he didn't, in the games that we, in the game we streamed, I know he didn't do it. Mm. So we, yeah, we have, funnily enough, with the, the, the top guys, we have a lo lovely enough to have a, a stream game for all these. So if anybody wants to see how these uh, lists run, you can go to down under, down under underscore network on Twitch and watch it for yourself. Shameless. Slide that in. Oh, slid that brutally. in. Smooth. That was glorious. I'll never get nice. it that good again. I can't. Well, that was the, <laughs> this was the one game that I actually happened to, uh, to stumble upon. And, and and chat on it was pretty cool. He had a lot of stuff left alive. He was playing Chaos Demons. Yeah, he uh, he played um also. he played Josh Brody who came tenth. Uh, so he was yeah. playing against No Slouch and he did um he played a very good game and ended up winning that game pretty convincingly. And did this did this list uh, get destroyed by the ultimate winner as well? Was he not there? No, uh, Hayden Waldock, the guy we yeah. just spoke about, was the the eventual uh, person to take him down. Very nice. Um, um, yeah, I think Mega Knobs get chatted, uh, you know, bandied about a lot as a as like a real nice and fun sledgehammer unit. Um, so it's really cool to see them having success, and I just think it's hilarious <laughs> to run three shock attack. Like, that is like buying a lottery ticket. It is like it's like buying three lottery tickets, really. But see, like um, in a lot of pe a lot of people, uh, you see, it, uh, taking um, also that I've seen are taking shock attack guns in lieu of looters. They, they, they're taking one or the other, or they're taking less looters. Like, he is. he's only taking 15, he's not taking the full, you know, mm -hmm. banger bang 25. Um, but he's still got his three shock attack guns, he's still got um, tank busters, and two units of Meganoms put out a fun bucket full of strength four shots as well with the custom shooters. So it's actually, it's actually a hell of a strong shooting list. Um, and it can play really defensive, but the counterpunch is phenomenal. Like, he mobs up the 20, um, the 20, uh, Mega Knobs and to jumps them into your face after he's taken out the things that can kill Mega Knobs, all of a sudden, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's only a handful of things in the game that handle Mega Knobs well. Yeah, well, they're pretty mean. Three wounds, uh, you know, two up save, toughness four. Yeah, five. only toughness four. But the fact the fact that there being 20 of them, uh, 60 wounds, yeah. 60 wounds of that profile is crazy. Gotta grind yep. through them. Um, I mean, on the looters thing, I mean, I know uh, with uh, Stephen Pamperin's quote, typical LVO list that was uh, yeah. talked about on the last show, um, he, he decided to go 15 looters as well. Um, and I think one of his big deals is just keeping them alive. Yeah. Um, I am surprised to see um, Tank Busters in, in, in that list. I guess that was a, a meta call. Yeah. He's going to run into a lot of stuff. Yeah, I was actually surprised to see them yeah, as well. Um, I, I don't think they take away anything. They take away much from the list. And I think that's what he did jumps over. Um, when he doesn't want to jump over the mega knobs, so he'll jump over them, suicide them, and you know take a big scalp. Or if yeah. he's got a if he's got a knight gallant pressing into his lines, because gallants are something that actually does account for mega knobs pretty well, um, especially if it's got the five attacks or the, and the two plus save or the involved in combat. Um, so he'll you know to jump them over, use that to take care of them. Uh, past that though, I, I actually quite like the fifteen looters now because the so you think about uh, the things that fifteen looters kill. And you think about the things that 25 looters can't kill. And it's not a huge amount of difference between those. So 25 looters struggle to kill a knight um, in one round. and f but, yes. but they kill anything less than that. 15 looters also kill most things less than a knight anyway. So the, basically, the, the, the marginal uh, utility uh, that you get. Uh, For the extra 10 guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's a point of overkill with a lot of the units you're going to be targeting anyway. Yeah, I mean, you're shooting a rhino. It's a crap, you know. <laughs> well, I just, again, it just strictly through personal experience, I, I find it, uh, it, it's also hard to, for me anyway, to, to do the math of how to split that, and it can go go really wrong if you split your fire wrong with this. But I know like a guy like Steven, he was able to split fire very easily with the looters and I'm sure this target priority is a thing from what I understand. So looking at the top five from CanCon, um, if you look at the BC, BCP rankings, you'll see that Liam Hackett and Hayden Waldock are um, Canada's equally on third. It's actually, I think it's a mistake seeing as um, Hayden Waldock's um, strength of schedule is significantly higher than Liam Hackett's. He's been, he was given the third, the third place prize, which I think that's the, that's what happens on the countback. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're exactly they're exactly the same on Swiss points, but yeah, Hayden's um, SOS was significantly higher. Uh, past that, we had Aaron Green with um, Imperial Knights coming in at fifth. Matt Morisoli, who eventually was the first overall with Chaos Demons, and then um, Chris Wright at seventh, and Jeremy Nichols with Cult Mechanicus. So there's only one Eldar player in the top ten, but there's four That's demon there's four demon players in the top ten. And uh, you know, just before we round this out, any any reason why Eldari would be Almost absent from that meta. Uh, so, firstly, uh, Ma- uh, Jerry Martino was probably the most well-rated, the best Eldar player in the in the country. He dropped off them to take the the Death Watch list, and he's the guy who I've chatted to about and realised that Death Watch is very comparable to the the, the tool bag bag of tricks from Eldar. Um, but he um, he dropped off them because he thought um, the best Unari list is still Spears. But Spears uh, will not win me eight games, unfortunately, because he's, he's of the opinion that everybody knows Spears. Everybody knows what they do, knows them back to front, inside out. They have no secrets anymore for the people in the top bracket. And he's a good enough player that he's pretty confident he's going to make it to that top bracket. So he's like, what can I bring that's going to win me that, that has a ch- more of a chance of winning me that eighth, seventh and eighth games? And I think he was spot on because, uh, you know, only Chris Wright, who wasn't running any Inari to my mind, he was... um. Craftworlds and Dark Elder, and past that, I think the next one is Simon, who was running um, 27 grotesques at Simon uh, Gojkovic. He was the um, 2018 ATC captain, and he came in at 11th. Well, there you go. They used to say the European meta was, was six months ahead of us here in North America, and I just can't do the time zone conversion for Australia, so <laughs> well, maybe it's like nine months. I think they're about 24 hours ahead of us. 24 hours ahead. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ups, upside down, back to front, 24 hours somewhere. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. That was the best part about commentating on CanCon, though, was uh, I felt like a wizard because I was <laughs> commentating on events that were happening a day ahead of You me. were talking into the future. I was. It was so creepy. Yeah. Uh, some, But, look, CanCon is an amazing, amazing um, event, and kudos to the guys who ran it. Um, the Moore Brothers, Chris Yates, those guys did a, a phenomenal job. And that's their second year running it. And every year uh, they do the same thing. They walk around because uh, it was really interesting um, being on the outside because I've been to the last couple of CanCons as a player. Uh, being on the outside, looking in at the TOs, walking around just being like, oh, kill me now. Why did I do this? Why did I sign off for this again? Uh, it was just <laughs> really amusing. Well, nothing like a little schadenfreude to round up the show. Any, uh, I mean, on that note, was was it a clean show? Was there any controversy? Any any uh, any dust ups? Uh, look, I, I th- anyone anyone playing knifey spoony when they shouldn't have been. <laughs> um, to my mind, like there were there were a couple of dramas, but um, nothing, you know, no crazy controversies. If there were, you would have heard about them. Um, the, Just your normal competitive forty k stuff. Yeah, you know, Aussie Aussie guys being like, "I'll oh, come outside and I'll I'll catch ya. 
I'll cut you up good. And Bear's like, nah, that's, that's not how you cut somebody. This is how you cut somebody. And then throw kangaroos at each other and call it a day. Um, right. You know, riding into I mean, battle. usually going outside in Australia is more dangerous than a knife fight anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. We get like salmon, you know, get, um, I was about to say salmonella. <laughs> What's, this? Is, you get skin cancer, you know, biggest, highest rate of skin cancer on the planet. We just just walking outside and bam. Melanoma. That's, Where are we that's going for melanoma. Salmonella, now? melanoma. Yeah, it's it's all the same stuff, you know. Good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So before we wrap it all up, any final thoughts, uh, uh, you know, Peter, or, or uh, on on your experiences commentating? What did you think of the 40k that you were seeing through the future tube? It was awesome. It it's I generally enjoy watching 40k, um, especially like top level 40k when you can watch guys and you think to yourself this is what this guy should be doing and either a they do exactly what you thought because that was probably the best move or b they do something completely whack shit crazy and then blow up you know 80 models and then i go oh i guess he is better than me like either way i loved it loved every second of it plus talking to adam and josh just a wicked time uh they're both excellent uh commentators they really know their shit and it really helps uh, to have to have their uh their insight into the Aussie meta. Because otherwise there would have been times where I'd be like, I don't even know what this guy's trying to do. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it's, look, it's a really good time. I, I, It's something I always wanted, I've been wanting to do forever, shoutcasting. And I really want to help um, bring 40K into the fore as something that's worth watching, something that's worth giving your time to, worth supporting, you know, financially getting behind if that's what you please. But um, yeah, I think it's only going to get better from here. And I've, we have so many new freaking things to try and so many exciting things to test out. So if you are interested, I already go to the Twitch channel, go to Facebook, give us a like there as well. We have a Patreon. I won't try and sell it too much. Jump on it if you're interested. Plug that name again one more time. Down under underscore network on Twitch, just down under network on Facebook and stuff. Look us up. Support us if you like what we do. If not, good on you. Don't. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And Falcone, where can uh, where can the good people at home find all the lovely stats that you've talked about on this show? Oh, for sure. You can head over to uh, 40kstats.com, uh, 40kstats.com, and uh, you can take a quick gander. I haven't uploaded the CanCon stats just yet. I'll probably be doing that either later tonight or first thing tomorrow, uh, depending on how my life works out. I do have them all. i just uh, been a little bit lazy about the uploads because I've been spending so much time looking at LVO numbers. Mm-hmm. Um and you can always contact me if you have questions about the stats, if you want to grab them for yourself, or you just want to shoot the crap about Warhammer. I always like to talk about it. He loves shooting that Warhammer crap. Yeah, um, love and, it for days. And actually, because we're recording a little earlier earlier than we're used to, um, those numbers will 100% already be up by the time you're hearing this on like Tuesday. So, so sure, you guys true. are talking into so it. Don't worry about it. So, uh, I'm talking into the future again. You're talking again. with the guy in the future. About the future. Oh, my God. It's like a Twilight Zone episode all of a sudden. Um, Oh, actually. Wait. Val. Yes. Stop. I'm stopping. Okay. I promised a guy that I was going to do some advertising, and I didn't uh, the last two weeks. I'm going to do it this week. Way to go. Okay. Let's go. Okay. So there's a tournament coming up in April. So you guys have a lot of time. It's on the east coast of Canada. It's called Mork's, or possibly Gork's, Maritime Open 2019. It's the first planned gt in the maritimes of canada i highly recommend if you've got nothing better to do and you want some easy itc points you should head (laughs) over there on top of getting some pretty simple itc points as long as you're not a a dirtbag um you'll also get a chance to meet a real life hobbit craig MacArthur, who is one of the tos of the event 100 percent 
is the real-life Samwise Gamgee. So if you have a chance, go. Take part in an amazing event and talk to a real-life member of the Lord of the Rings cast. You know, I've always wanted to go to a shoes-off tournament. What better an opportunity than one run by an actual hobbit? Wait a minute. Well, trust me, if I do get to attend, it'll be a shoes-off pants-off tournament, are we talking even better. Are we talking he's the actor who played Samwise Gamgee? As in, he's the guy no, off the he, Goonies? he is just a very small, bitter man with <laughs> hairy feet. <laughs> he's not bitter, he, except about his dice. He he thinks his dice are the worst things that ever happened to mankind. Yeah. But otherwise, a, uh, that seems to be a common refrain for TOs. I think that's how you become a TO. You just go on a real cold streak. Like, screw this yeah, this is it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's what the like, odds are against me. Let me do something else with my life. What do they say about um, you know those who who can do and those who can't teach? Like it's those who yes, those, those who, who is that what are they, they must say that about podcasters and streamers and TOs now as well, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do. Please, please stop uh, looking behind that curtain. There's nothing. <laughs> this great, yeah. great all knowing and powerful wizard is every bit as knowledgeable as I never professed to be. And as we wrap up this show, I'd just like to say that it's also Tuesday ish, which means most people are going to be flying in a couple of days, or maybe you're even listening to this uh, on your flight to DLBO. Uh, yours truly will be the only one there, but of course, Petey Pop, Jeff. We'll, we'll, we'll be at uh, be at the big show, so please don't hesitate. Come up and say, hey, I'll be wearing an obnoxious um, jersey, repping my, my team, Cash Money Hammer. My name will be on the back. Please come say hi. Well, not my name, but Val Heffelfinger will be on the back. And, uh, what? Yeah, can't oh. wait. <laughs> it's a fake game, guys. It's a fake game. Uh, and I can't wait. And I can't wait to see, uh, see everyone out there. Um, sorry, you two gentlemen joining me on the show. Can't be there, but... Uh, it's going to be awesome, and we'll have a lot of fun on your behalf. Mm. I'm going, I'm going to, to miss be, out. I'm going to be uh, holding a bit of a Discord chat, I think. I think Down Under Network is going to be opening up our Discord channels, and anybody who's not able to go, who might be able to join us on Discord, we're going to sit there, we're going to watch all the games, and we're going to marathon talk a bunch of shit for a long, long time. So we'll have that up on the Facebook page. If you can't go and you wanted to sit there, listen to the amazing commentary by two amazing commentators, and also talk some crap on the side, look us up on our Facebook page. And uh, just a reminder, too, because we've been talking about streaming all, 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 all episode, um, it's not actually uh, the Frontline Gaming stream this year. It's just the Warhammer TV stream. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be uh, – maybe it'll be rebroadcast on FLG, but who knows. But check out the Warhammer TV, Warhammer TV stream. Uh, our good friend Reese on Signals also encourages you guys to, uh, to subscribe to them because they are investing a lot into the, the ability to watch from home. And yep. uh, and and bringing on guys like Jeff and 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 Frankie to give you some really great commentary, uh, maybe even as good as our friends at the Down Under Network. We'll have to see. Back it up. Yeah, Frankie's a beautiful man, but I don't know. He's a guy. We've put literally like dozens of dollars into this. Check yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and so I yes. will be within in the Warhammer TV stream for the majority of the tournament talking trash. Uh, and what is what is your trash talking nom de plume? Uh it is Yak Hunter, which Yak is my Hunter. normal nickname, but people have decided that I am a bird and I'm okay with that. Uh Falcone, you as in your in the guise of the Yak Hunter, you are unfailingly harsh on me whenever I see the chat stream. I just want to call you out on the podcast. It's a it is a persona. Um, it isn't really the real me. It's where but, he's uh, allowed to be un-Canadian. Yeah, um, it's where I'm allowed to tell the truth. <laughs> really, really, so what I really feel. So everybody out there, uh, it's coming now. It's the biggest, uh, the baddest, the LVO next event. Look out. The one and only. Uh, ne- the next time we're chatting, we'll be talking about what the heck just happened. 
hopefully it's just as cool as it was last year. Cause man, yeah, I'm hoping for a, a crap ton of drama. Yeah. Um, not, not like murder drama, but just like a good amount. And, uh, yeah. And I, and, uh, I hope that there's a, a hero. Somebody be a hero. Manny yeah. Chima, be, be our hero. You're my spirit animal. Uh, Apparently, Manny just, Chima. Just, I think just because you like saying that name. Sorry. No, it's because he, he's bringing in a really cool army and he decided to register today for the event. And today being whatever day we're currently recording. I don't even know. So. He About is my spirit animal. Yes. Yeah. I just be our hero. That's all I'm going to say. Be a hero. Everyone out there, be heroes. Enjoy the LVO if you're going. Enjoy the LVO if you're watching. Amazing. And please Give all your opponents a hug and a kiss. Yes. Hug and a kiss. Don't judge me. It's not going to be good, but I'm going to have a blast anyway. Thank you guys for joining us. No tongue, Val. That's the goal. <laughs> I thought that I thought the goal was that. mandatory. Anyway, we'll mandatory discuss the top line. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to FrontlineGaming.org for all your hobby needs. That's like four plugs. Have yourselves a great, wonderful day, afternoon, or evening. Good night. Good night. You're a wizard, Harry.